It was supposed to be a closeout Friday. Now I'm just fed up. It's a fed up Friday. Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go. You are listening to Ken Levick Alive. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. You know, in this industry, in this life path that we've taken, I mean, Stone typically. We live for days like this, right? And, and, and admittedly, Closeout Wednesday was a bit of a dud. Closeout Wednesday didn't go well. Heat lost in New York. Panthers lost to Toronto. And that was a dud. But one of the things you live for is, hey, postseason, big games, chance for your team to advance. It's fun to, to be a fan and be in this industry when you have these opportunities. So, from that standpoint, today, Stone, we're locked in, right? We're fully focused. Forget a closeout Wednesday. It's a door slam Friday, right? I woke up to a text this morning. Stomach a little unsettled. Heat possibly could blow a 3-1 lead. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get there. Lake show up 3-1. Possibly could blow a 3-1 lead. Uh-huh. But that text message mm-hmm. from my man Ken Levicka, mm-hmm. it read, Mm-hmm. Door Slam yep. Friday. It's a Door Slam Friday. Jalen Brunson, his face is there. Uh, Austin, Matthew- Austin Matthews, his face is there. Nice. The Statue of Liberty, her face is there. Uh, that fake Space Needle thing they have in Toronto, its face is there. And you know what we're doing? We're slamming the door on it. Slamming the door on it. Door Slam Friday. But... I'm fed up. I'm fed up because this was supposed to be a day where we can play our New York songs with the fart noises and our Toronto songs with the fart noises and be cocky and be arrogant and all of those things, except the NBA now has the Heat fan base starting to doubt. Starting to doubt that this is... is is not going to end tonight, that it's not going to be Door Slam Friday. And that is because the NBA has decided to put the extender and his officiating crew on tonight's Heat-Knicks game. You knew this was going to happen, Stone. You knew that we were going to get a Scott Foster appearance here tonight. The NBA has put Scott Foster and his crew, the same Scott Foster that the Heat have lost the last 10 games against when Scott Foster has officiated their games. 1-12 in in the last 13 are the Heat against Scott Foster. 3-10 against the spread in those last 13. He was the official on the floor game 7 Eastern Conference Finals last year against the Celtics where Max Struess did not step out of bounds. Yet they determined after the fact he did step out of bounds and change the entire course, and that was the difference of that game as well at what kept the Heat from going to Cancun or going to the NBA Finals. And it was Scott Foster 
and his crew that were on game two of this series against the Knicks, missing rim hits on shots that should have reset the shot clock, wiping off buckets, insane calls with Knicks fouling other Knicks, yet the fouls are called on Heat players. That's Scott Foster, the man who has helped keep the Heat winless the last 10 times he's been in the same arena with them in a working capacity. He is tonight going to be officiating. He is the crew chief at Kaseya Center in game six of this series. And I'm so frustrated because it has sowed doubt in what should be a day where, hey, these dudes are coming home. Jimmy didn't play well game five. Time to send a message and finally slam the door on these people. And instead it's, oh, Scott Foster, game seven. And I'm, I'm fed up. I'm fed up with the entire thing. Ken Levick alive on a Friday here on ESPN 106.3 free ESPN app, but on your smart speaker and a John Levine Accident Attorney Studios downtown West Palm Beach. Phillips Point Towers off of the steamy and wildly uncomfortable Intracoastal. Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights Radio Life Partner, runs this catastrophe until 2 o'clock. And I think that I've got a little edge to me, right? Like you can tell when I walk in whether or not it's happy-go-lucky Ken, I can uh, talk some bleep, and uh, we're having a, a fun old time here around the office. Uh, and then you can tell when, when the morning has been a little bit tense, a little, a little bit high-strung, right? Like I, I emanate those things. Yeah, it's one thing that I appreciate about us. It takes me a good three seconds to realize <laughs> what kind of Ken I got. I'm not, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not trying to shield the mood I'm in or the approach I'm going to take or how I'm feeling at the moment. Stone always knows. I don't even have to say it. And Stone and I see each other every day, and that's the benefit of that. Stone can look at me or just kind of feel my vibe uh, and can tell exactly what uh, what approach he needs to take. Sometimes if I walk in and, you know, I'm kind of cocky and I'm, I'm uh, throwing some, some bleep talk around, all right, let's get going. Let's get moving. That's where you'll throw stuff at me, bust balls, all that stuff. That's good. But... Like today, you can tell Stone's like, all right, I'm going to have to ease into this whole thing. Okay, I'll just ease in, let him have his time. But I think this started today. So over the last two weeks, my five-year-old has been nonstop Niagara Falls pee in her bed. Not her bed, though. What she does is she comes into our room oh. at like 3 a.m. and pees in our bed, my oh. wife and my bed. That That is... That that's a sacred spot. That's a place where my wife and I sleep in comfort, and that's where Daddy goes to work. You know, like that's that's our place, right? For sure. But our our five year old uh, has had a rough go of it here. She went like three four months without peeing her bed. It was awesome. We're like, oh, awesome, good. She advanced quicker than her sister did. The tide has turned. With all that stuff. The tide has turned, literally. The tide has <laughs> turned, uh, or the 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 stream has been dammed, right? So. For whatever reason, over the last two, three weeks, though, she she won't pee her bed, but she'll come into our bed and then pee in it. So this morning, wake up, two straight days of her peeing in the bed and having to wash the sheets and and spray the, the uh, odor remover on the mattress and all that nonsense. And both, both girls, my five-year-old and my six-year-old, they wake up at the same time, like 6.30. Why? Why are they up at 6.30? That's another thing, too. Why in the hell are they up at 6.30? And the five-year-old, because the five-year-old's scheming, right? Scheming, always has a plan. She knows that she's under fire. She's taking on criticism for her bed peeing. Not her bed peeing, but her peeing 
mama and papa's bed, right? She knows she's been under criticism, so what does she do? She comes and she says, she sees my wife, she sees me, and she says, Addie, the six-year-old, Addie peed the bed. I didn't pee the bed. Addie peed the bed. I felt her panties, and she peed the bed. She's already trying to deflect. She had a plan already. I'm not going to fall for that. We know what happened. The six-year-old didn't pee the bed because the six-year-old rarely will come in our bed. That was, uh, she did that last night, but she doesn't pee the bed. So here's what happened. I'm fed up because not only did our bed get peed in again last night, but the five-year-old, five-year-old trying to deflect, trying to not take responsibility because she didn't want three straight nights of her peeing in our bed. My wife's fed up too. My wife's fed up. So one, she's trying to trick us. She thinks she's the smartest person in the house, right? I'm not going to let a five-year-old try and outsmart me. That ain't happening, okay? I've, I've spent too many years on this planet, learned too many things to let my five-year-old try and trick me as if the six-year-old who hasn't peed her bed in months and months and months and months suddenly had an accident in our bed and the five-year-old who was on two straight nights back-to-back, a streak, a pee streak, tried to tell me that the six-year-old peed the bed and she didn't, okay? I'm not going to have that. That ain't happening. So my wife is fed up. You know what she said? She said, girls, enough. No more in our bed. You can't come into our bed. We are closing the door. We are locking the door. I don't care if you're banging on the door during the middle of the night. You are not coming in. My wife is fed up. She is going to lock herself and myself in our room to keep the girls and my five-year-old's active bladder off the bed. So that's how the day started, Stone. Wildly frustrating, okay? By the way, happy Mother's Day to all of you uh, coming up on Sunday, especially my wife. Uh, and you know, Stone, I'm not a big beach fan. I don't like the graininess. I don't like showering the graininess off. I don't like the feeling on my feet. I don't like the fact that in the ocean, everything wants to eat you and kill you. That said, my wife, damn it, does she deserve the beach? We're going to the beach on Sunday. Shouts to Vivi. That's beach right. day. Yes. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. My wife, my mother included. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Now, that said, it was shortly after the pee fiasco at the uh, Levica household. P-gate. P-gate. That I go to Twitter, and there are the officiating crews for the first time listed, and there is Scott Foster's name. And I had a feeling that that was going to happen because Scott Foster didn't work either of the games last night. The 76ers Celtics game or the Suns Nuggets game. There was no Scott Foster, so we knew what was going to happen there. We knew, Stone, this was going to be a Scott Foster game. And so now it's so doubt. But this is what's going to be frustrating about this, is I'm not going to sit here, and I have done nothing but show confidence in this Heat team since post-game one Buck series, when all of a sudden, that wasn't the same Heat team we saw in the regular season, right? That was not the same Heat team, and since that point, I have maintained that this is a team more like one seed 2021-2022 season heat as opposed to what we saw in the regular season 2022-2023 heat, eight seed lost first play-in game. This heat team is more like last year's team that came one inch away from the NBA Finals. One Jimmy Butler short-armed three away front rim from going to the NBA Finals. But now people are getting scared. Heat fans on social media, Heat Twitter is already saying, well, see you for a game seven over the weekend. And this is what is so frustrating. You either have guts or you don't. Like You either have guts or you don't. And I'll be damned if I'm going to sit here 
And I'm going to say that Scott Foster, he can't be overcome by the Heat. I'm sorry. If you truly believe in this Heat team, if you truly think the Heat are better than the Knicks, and they are better than the Knicks, and we laid it out yesterday why that was the case, the two games the Knicks have won in this series, one didn't feature Jimmy Butler. The Heat had the lead as high as eight in the fourth quarter, had the lead with three minutes left to go. It required a 24-12 run and the musings of Scott Foster for the Knicks to win in game two. And then in game five, the Heat shoot 13-43 of 43 from beyond the arc. Jimmy Butler can't get into the 20 scoring, and the Heat erased a 19-point deficit, got it down to two with three minutes left to go. The Heat are the better team. Better coached, better execution, better game plan, better across the board. I'm not going to let Scott Foster derail that, but what I'm fed up about is that the NBA has itself in a position. They know they know the reputation of Scott Foster. They understand what the perception is of Scott Foster, and that's someone, whether it's nefarious or not, that against certain teams, against certain players, Chris Paul, Scott Foster, they, he, he had a thing with Scott Foster. Chris Paul finally exercised that demon this year. But Scott Foster has a thing when he officiates certain teams, and the Heat happen to be one of those certain teams. So you know what's going to happen tonight? As we're viewing this game, this game six, every foul called, anything that's questionable, anything that's sketchy, it's going to be excuse machine. Well, that's the whistle the Heat are going to get. That's the whistle the Heat are going to get. And watching the game is going to be impossible because it's already, that seed's been planted in the back of our minds. And after we saw the Scott Foster, Scott Foster performance in game two, and we know that the Heat are 0-10 in their last 10 with Scott Foster on the officiating crew, 1-12 and in the last 13 overall, we're going to say to ourselves, well, of course, Scott Foster. That's a problem. That's what's frustrating. The NBA doing this knowing what the perception is and still putting Scott Foster on the game. What is the purpose of that? What is the point of that? And it is going to torpedo this evening, and now it has Heat fans doubting that this collective, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, can overcome Scott Foster's whistle, and that to me is endlessly frustrating, and I'm fed up with Scott Foster, I'm fed up with the NBA, and I'm Fed up with the Heat fans that now are just putting up the white flag because of Scott Foster. One, this could be avoided, but hey, the reality is here. Scott Foster's on the officiating crew. I guarantee you Jimmy Butler's not sitting there with a big face coffee today saying, well, we're screwed. Come on, sack up. You left a name off your list of people you're fed up with. Your five-year-old? My five-year-old? Girl. Yep. Go ahead, throw her on there. Aliana, I'm frustrated. I'm fed up. Stop peeing in the bed. <laughs> I have a challenge for you. Mm-hmm. Do I think you'll be able to accomplish this challenge? No, I do not. But here's what I want you to do. Tip off, 7.30 to 9, mm-hmm. ESPN. Go pee the bed. Stop it. At 7 o'clock, I want you to go to your Twitter account, and I want you to mute the word foster. Just okay. mute it. Okay. Mute the word foster so you can enjoy this game. You will soon then forget because it won't be flooded. But Scott Foster won't be all over your timeline. Mute the word Foster. That is my challenge to you. It will help your mental. The Scott Foster seed has already been planted in uh, the recesses of my cerebral region. And that's the problem. 
is that even if Foster, and that's a great idea, and I'm probably going to do that, I'm going to mute Foster on my social media across the board. That said, I see that face. <laughs> I see that face in my brain right now. <laughs> and any 50-50 call, like me, meatball me, there's a meatball component to my sports brain. I try to fight it, fight it all the time. Yeah, you trying do. to be as commonsensical as I can, trying to be as rational as I can be. But I'm going to see Scott Foster's stupid fat face every time there's a, a, a foul called on a 50-50 call, 50-50 ball, anytime a... Uh, a shot grazes the rim and Scott Foster can't see it, still can't understand how that was even a thing in game two. Bro, you've been in the league for decades. You don't know what it looks like when a ball hits the rim, you fool. So it is frustrating, though, that the NBA would even put the Heat in this position. They know. They track this stuff. They understand. They know the Heat are 0-10 in the last 10 with Scott Foster on the floor, including game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago. They understand what the Heat have done 1-12 in, in the last 13, yet they still put Scott Foster on the floor. How does that benefit the NBA to have this perception? And Scott Foster's not throwing games, okay? Um, uh, th- this, is, this is not that. Scott Foster is not making money on the side, okay? But certain officials officiate certain teams a certain way, and it is clear Scott Foster officiates Eric Spolstra coached teams a certain way. Why would you even put the league in that spot to open yourself up in a post-Donaghy era to, uh, to, to people at least able to make rational or not that connection that something might be up with Scott Foster? It's so annoying, and I'm so fed up with it. And I believe the Heat can overcome it because it's stupid not to think that the Heat are going to be just fine because they're the Heat, and they're better than the Knicks. And they've got this game at home. The Knicks led 10 seconds in Miami this entire series to this point. But the fact the NBA puts itself in its in this position for us to even have to talk about this because we have to talk about this because an official has successfully woven himself into the fabric of a storyline because he has been so one-sided against one specific team with his whistle, it is so damn frustrating. Now, part of me wants to say that the NBA could care less, right? They don't think could about not it. care less. Like a week ago, mm-hmm. Scott Foster was obviously on the schedule. If this went back to Kaseya Center game six, like that's part of me. Now, the other part of me thinks, okay, we're in a day and age where social media matters, right? Where we have time tickers for the NFL schedule release and everything's on social media. The Titans put out one of the best videos that we've seen in the past two, three years. Okay, the Chargers one was better, but yeah, I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying. So... Part of me thinks this has to do with creating some buzz, it could getting, be. getting the people going. Hey, listen, I, I didn't I rip on Wednesday? I ripped the NFL for moving the Dolphins and Chiefs yeah. to Frankfurt because the NFL's so good at, at planting the seeds of a storyline, uh, generating juice and buzz coming in, and then the Tyree Kill return to Kansas City is not going to happen now. Not going to Arrowhead. Instead, it's going to Frankfurt, Germany. What a big miss that is. A rare miss when it comes to that aspect of how the NFL markets itself. I ripped the NFL for that. I ripped Roger Goodell for that when we were at PBKC. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe to the NBA, this is all theater. Maybe it is, it is a way to generate buzz on a Friday night for game six of this series. I would hate that. And the NBA certainly is better than that to think that that should even be a thing and question the integrity. I, like, 
the bottom line, the criticism of Scott Foster and what he's done against the Heat, the the conspiracy theory stretch, though it's a logical one to an extent, is that there's an integrity problem between Scott Foster and the Heat when they're in the same building together, right? That that That's what this comes down to. And not that Scott Foster is receiving uh, Tim Donaghy treatment, but that Scott Foster, the way he officiates a game, however the Heat play or whatever the Heat do, it's different than every other officiating crew in the NBA. And also, this isn't the first go-around with Scott Foster having an inherent, it appears, based on the numbers, bias against another team or a player. Any team that Chris Paul has been on over the last six years, Scott Foster has officiated as if that team has the disadvantage or that team's playing more illegal basketball. Like, you have an official who is known, he has a nickname called the extender because in so many elimination games or in so many series where one team has the advantage, when he officiates, the team that's behind or the team at the disadvantage suddenly is even after that. Like, that's a problem, a perception problem for the NBA. To an extent, perception is reality. And this perception maybe has a tinge of reality. And for the Heat, over the last four or five years, it has been the reality when Scott Foster's been on the floor. Yeah, I'm really waiting for the day that we see an athletic piece come out, that we see some media outlet kind of put anything out Who there. Who are you, Craig Carton? Look out, that dude from Tampa is coming out. Whether it's you know a video breakdown, like I said, whether it's an article, that somebody talks about why. This streak is this streak. Why Scott Foster has these things? Because on face value, as a casual, I mean, you don't really know. You just talk about how he controls games, but you don't know. It definitely is the style of play on these teams. It's the style of Chris Paul, right? It's the leaning into the guys. Like, I wish I knew why, because the Heat do a lot of tricky things that go unseen to a casual. The best officials in the NBA get the responsibility of officiating in the postseason. How can you have an official that has multiple times in his career shown the tendencies that he shows with his whistle, the tendencies he shows in outcomes of games that he officiates, how is he one of the final crews that makes itself deep into the second round, and I'm sure you're going to see him in the Eastern Conference Finals as well, and maybe even in the NBA Finals. How does someone with that perception, how, as, as dialed in a league as the NBA is, they're very online. They see these things. They know the numbers. They know the tendencies. An official like that, fine. He can officiate another series, but why is he in a closeout game, the official, with a team that's up three games to two that he has been on the floor to see 10 straight defeats to? Like, see how, from a perception standpoint, that's bad for the league. See how it's bad And who are we? But we are a top 50 market midday radio show. Us, instead of breaking down the Bam Adebayo-Mitchell Robinson matchup or the Bam Adebayo, how is he going to defend Jalen Brunson or Jimmy Butler? What can he do to get himself more open looks? How can Max Struess be used more? Does he need more minutes? The fact that we have to start this show talking about the crew chief of the officiating crew tonight because he has been so one-sided against the Heat over the last several years in a closeout game with a Game 7 potentially looming. And it's a conspiracy theory, but not a crazy stretch, but the NBA would love to have Nick's Heat at Madison Square Garden on Sunday. How are we having a conversation about the official? I mean, it's a great question. And it sucks because I still have great confidence the Heat are going to win tonight. It is Door Slam Friday. Oh, one more time. 
Door slam Friday. Door slam Friday. I think the Heat are going to win tonight. That said, the fact that the single storyline now, the most juicy storyline, Scott Foster versus the Heat, is endlessly freaking annoying, and it didn't have to be that way. I am so fed up with that nonsense. So from an athlete's perspective, my mind goes right to Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler doesn't give a damn. Jimmy Butler doesn't give a damn who the crew chief is, who's out there. No. Like, he's going to take control. I think this game... I mean, Eric Spolster does, though, and Eric Spolster needs to. For sure, but I, I think that... Some of these players see this too. Like, like, don't act like Jimmy's not surfing on Twitter, that he's not scrolling on Instagram. Like, these guys do that, right? They're 20, 30-year-olds. Like, they do that. I think Jimmy's aware of the situation. And in a sense, and I know you don't like the off-field, off-court motivation kind of thing, but I think Jimmy's going to shut it all up tonight. I think that's something that he sees. This is something that he hears. And it's time to go Jimmy. It is. It, it's as simple as that to me. I, I think these guys see this kind of stuff as corny and, and, and weird as it is that we're sitting here talking about an official. I think Jimmy uh, sees this kind of stuff, and this is the fuel to the fire for a lot of these guys. We talk about him being a psychopath. It, it just sucks because talking about Scott Foster for the last 20 minutes, we have to. He have to. Because he's such a pivotal now part of the storyline of tonight's game. You know what it makes us sound like? Excuse makers. And scared. Right. I ain't scared of the Knicks. And it does sound like excuse making because you're singling out one official. But again, when that official is the crew chief with a team on the floor that has lost its last 10 when he's been on the floor blowing that whistle and only one win in the last 13, you got to talk about that. And especially especially with how he officiated game two of this series. I mean, that was abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. When, when Josh Hart is pushing Isaiah Hartenstein to the floor... And Kyle Lowry's getting called for that foul. That's on Scott Foster. He made that call. He blew that whistle. He missed the shot that hit the rim in the final couple of minutes that really started the beginning of the end for the Heat in that game, too. And now he's back for a game six. Like, it's just frustrating. It's really, really, really frustrating. And it's, it goes from, <laughs> oh, man, that's funny, Scott Foster, uh-oh, to, wait a minute, is this actually a thing that the Heat have to worry about? And this is a thing that he'd have to worry about. And I think the NBA has done itself a great disservice. Forget the fans for a moment. But it's done itself a great disservice putting a guy on the floor that has this perception that the Heat can't win when he officiates. One, two, three games, that's one thing. A 10-game sample size, that's another. Streaks are meant to be broken. Damn right, Stone. Who or what has you fed up right now? Who or what has you fed up right now? I'm fed up with Scott Foster. I'm fed up with the NBA putting Scott Foster on the game. And I'm fed up with my five-year-old for peeing in our bed all the time. Who or what has you fed up right now? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweet at us at KLV1063. That's 888 888- 760-3776-888-760-3776. I mean, damn it, Stone, we're locking that door tonight. We're locking that door. They're not coming in. They can be there at 3 in the morning knocking, Mama, Papa, Mama. Nope. Go to your own bed. <laughs> Go to the bathroom or pee in your own bed. I thought we were talking about door slam Friday, locking the door it, it, well, and stuff. But it, it, yeah, no, no, sure, no, no, no. In, sure. my, in my real life, too, it's door slam Friday. I'm not going to slam the door in my kid's face, but I'm locking it. You got to send a message. I got to send a message, right? That's how you, you got to condition them. Got to break the streak. Life's not fair. Right. Right. Exactly. And in this case, break the stream. T- t- tomorrow will be the worst day of 2023 for you. 
if the Heat go 0 for 11 against Scott Foster and your five year old daughter goes 0 for 4. I know. Or 4 and 0. I know. I got a couple streaks here on the line. Yeah, you do. Jesus, man. Saturday's going to suck if that ends up. At least I don't have to come in here and have all you fools bash me. Uh, With Scott Foster, this goes all the way back to last year, November 4th, 2022. Loss at home to the Celtics, 95-78. November 20th, just two and a half weeks later, at the Wizards, loss, 103-100. The lone win in the 13-game stretch came January of last year at the Hawks, 115-91. Then March 2022, at Milwaukee, 121-19 loss, though the Heat did cover. And then at Philadelphia, Eastern Conference semifinals, game number four, 116-108 loss in Philly. Then at Boston, game four, 102-82 loss for the Heat. Eastern Conference Finals Game 7, 196 loss. Max Strew stepped on the sideline but didn't really game Scott Foster at the helm of that officiating crew. 106-92 loss to Boston at the start of this season at Cleveland in November 20th, 116-105 loss. At Memphis, 101-93 loss. At Brooklyn, February 15th, 113-87 loss. At Toronto, March 28th, 111-104 loss. And then game two of the series against the Knicks, 111-105 loss. That's the last 13 with Scott Foster on the floor. I am fed up with the dude. I'm fed up with the dude's treatment of the Heat. I am fed up with the NBA continuing to put him on massive games in the Heat postseason, knowing that he has this reputation. I'm fed up with having to talk about it, how it's become the main storyline of this game now because it sounds like I'm making excuses, sounds like I'm being soft. But the fact of the matter is the Heat don't win when this dude has the whistle and the Heat are on the floor. Who or what has you fed up right now? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at KLV1063. If you're fed up with your joint and ankle pain, you're experiencing all of that, well, see an expert in the field. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to uh, provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine, and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care as offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. Who or what has you fed up right now? Scott Foster, I'm done with you. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. He's still in the battle. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. Downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I mean, one of the trending topics in the United States on Twitter is Scott Foster. I mean, think about that. An NBA official, Game 6, Heat Knicks, legendary rivalry, and what's trending on Twitter, not Jimmy Butler, not Jalen Brunson, not Eric Spolstra, not Tom Thibodeau, not South Beach. Scott Foster. I mean, that's on the NBA. So I'm going through the trending right now. 
Sports trending. Hashtag fins up. Love that one. Trending in Florida. Heat and six. Damn right. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff. Tiger Woods is on here. Or what? What? I always get scared anytime Tiger Woods <laughs> is trending. Okay, so you missed it yesterday. Tiger Woods hitting 84 practice round balls, not taking a divot out. And really? Scotty Scheffler just being absolutely mind blown, oh, and, and he's staring at uh, Tiger, and he's asking him questions. Do you normally do this? And he's like, yeah, when I'm flushing it, I don't take divots out. And Scotty still is just speechless, and Tiger's like, it is what it is, man. So he's trending for that. But Scott Foster's right up there with Tiger, the NFL. Like, that's so embarrassing. It is. It's so embarrassing and so unnecessary that the NBA, knowing that Scott Foster has officiated 13, the last 13 Heat games, the Heat have won one of them. One of them. Now, here's the saving grace to this, is that when, when you look at the, the body of work here from old Scott, I mean, a lot of these games are on the road, right? A lot of these games are on the road, and a lot of these games during this regular season where the Heat were admittedly extremely underwhelming. That's the way I'm trying to make myself feel better, console myself here. Listen, all right, of the 13 games, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 10 of them are on the road. 10 of them are on the road. Wow. So that matters, right? And then... Regular season games this year, one, two, three, four, five. So, but still, 0-10, 1-12, 3-10 the spread. We've seen enough of a trend to know that the Heat generally struggle with Scott Foster's whistle. And the NBA in Game 6, elimination game, with the Game 7 at Madison Square Garden potentially on the horizon, I'm sorry, by doing this, They've opened themselves up to the conspiracy theory weirdos. They, by doing this, open themselves up to the conspiracy theory weirdos. Even I, who try and fight off all conspiracies at all turns, you know I hate that crap. But even I can't deny that the NBA, by doing this, they are just breeding, breeding the psychopath basketball fan who believes that, hey, Fixes in. NBA wants to see a game seven. At this point, if you're going to put Scott Foster on as the crew chief of this officiating crew, I can't really argue that. I can't really argue that. Are you worried that this heat crowd at Kaseya Center is going to boo Scott Foster to the point of aggravating him? Well, like, like poking the bear? Apparently, being on the same floor as the heat aggravates him enough. I don't even think it matters. Because they're gonna matter. They're gonna boo him, right? What I think like first is, quarter, first foul call, they're gonna boo Scott Foster. That's what's gonna happen. What I actually think is going to happen is that there's going to be a nervousness amongst that crowd and this fan base if things start to go south at any point. Because oh, there's Scott Foster, there's Scott Foster, there's Scott Foster. This is Scott Foster's doing. I'm just annoyed that. The NBA is is putting the Heat in a position and Heat fans in a position that if tonight does not go well, we're going to come off as babies and soft because it's all going to be Scott Foster's fault. No matter what, even if Scott Foster has the best officiated game of his life, it's going to be, oh, that was Scott Foster's fault. It's a great call. We're a team that preaches culture and we're going right. to be complaining about right. the crew chief. Right. Like I don't want to sit there and complain about the officiating. And Scott Foster, what's going to happen too because you just believe Scott Foster has it in for the Heat? Any, you know, when you watch something enough times, you train your brain into thinking, well, that's a blown call. 
man, look at that contact there. Look at like we do it all the time. Yeah, we do. Right? No matter what sport, that's going to happen over and over and over and over and over again tonight. And all based off of the fact that Scott Foster can't tell what's inbounds and out of bounds and what's a heel up and what's a heel on the floor and what hits the rim and what doesn't. But he can have the best officiated game of his life tonight. I mean, perfect. Great out perfectly. But we don't trust him. And so if the Heat lose, it's going to be, well, that's what happens in a Scott Foster game. And that's what's annoying. That's what's really, really, really annoying to me. I am fed up with Scott Foster. I mean, he does suck. He's incompetent. He's an incompetent official. And the replay official in Secaucus is Tony Brothers. Tony Brothers, who in his own right, in elimination games, is horrific. It's like the NBA put Scott Foster and Tony Brothers together to become some sort of Decepticon of suck, right? Like, they're just now morphing into the worst official in the NBA. The, an absolute suck mountain of officiating. And again, we have to focus on it because it's now become a storyline. It's become a storyline. Who or what has you fed up right now? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Twitter's open at KLV1063. I'm fed up with Scott Foster. I'm fed up with the NBA for putting the heat in this position. It will be a special edition of Heating Up tonight right here on ESPN 106.3. Theo Dorsey, JMP, have you leading up into network coverage here tonight. On ESPN 106.3, your heat home is Palm Beach, in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast is right here on ESPN 106.3, Game 6, Heat, and, uh, and Knicks. Uh, if I was a Philadelphia 76ers fan and me as a basketball fan, I'm fed up with Joel Embiid. What in the hell was that last night from the 76ers? Jason Tatum, through three quarters, was putting up an all-time bad superstar performance in a closeout game. The Celtics were teetering. Jason Tatum brought nothing, and the 76ers were awful. And the 76ers wilted and died in the fourth quarter. And then after the game, what happens? The most 76ers with Joel Embiid thing possible. Joel Embiid starts throwing teammates under the bus. This guy is incredible. He wins MVP after the last couple of years, openly griping about the fact he won one MVP. Dude, you weren't the MVP of the last couple of years. You weren't better than Nikola Jokic. You weren't. Stop it. You remember in the playoffs last year, during the Heat 76ers postseason series, him griping, oh, I'll never win an MVP. I'll never win MVP. Get your priorities straight, bro. So this year, he finally does win the MVP, right? He wins the MVP, and... He, he, he hadn't played, though, in the three games leading up to the MVP announcement because flip-flopping, floppity, flip into the floor, he ends up spraining his knee in the Nets series. A series in which he should have been kicked out of a game and suspended for kicking an opponent in the junk. Openly and purposely kicking someone in the junk. But you know what? It's okay because Joel Embiid got his MVP award and he was honored by the Philadelphia crowd and his son came out to celebrate with him and he cried. And we love Joel Embiid. He's just a big, cuddly teddy bear, right? Except Joel Embiid spends more time on the floor than he does on his own two feet. Oh, but he, he does it because a doctor told him it would limit his injuries. No, stop it. Stop it. Joel Embiid doesn't have to fall every time the air conditioning maybe, maybe is felt from the rafters in Philadelphia. It doesn't mean he has to fall on the floor every time. He's the worst flopper in NBA history. 
Someone that big, that powerful, that dominant, shouldn't be hitting the floor as many times as Joel Embiid does. Despite all that, he found a way to win MVP. So congratulations to him, okay? So then you've got the 76ers in a spot where they're about to go down three games to one in game four, game five of that series against the Celtics, and he does not show up in the fourth quarter. One of seven from the field, blocked three times by 74-year-old Al Horford. But because he made the pass to the corner for James Harden for the game-winning three in overtime, he got a pass. Joel Embiid got a pass. And then the 76ers go to Boston, pick up a win, and they have a chance to close out the Celtics on their home floor last night. And what happens? Joel Embiid... After wilting in the fourth quarter, his team falling apart, what does he do? He does what he's done best his entire time in Philadelphia. He throws his teammates under the bus. Throws his teammates under the bus. Well, I didn't get the ball in the final five minutes. I didn't touch the ball in the final five minutes. That's my Joel Embiid because it's always somebody else's fault. It's never Joel Embiid's fault. It's always someone else's fault. I didn't touch the ball in the final five minutes. Well, dude... You're the MVP. Go get the ball, bro. Go get the ball, man. You want the ball? March your seven-foot ass out to the perimeter, set a screen, and get the ball. And put it on the floor. And do something. Work yourself into the post, bro. What are you doing? I mean, you're a grown-ass man. You're too far into your career. You've accomplished too much to sit there and say, I didn't get the ball. Go set a damn screen and get the ball, man. It's not you just camp out in the post while you're being denied over and over and over again. Move your ass. Yeah, it's not like he doesn't uh, doesn't know every single one of Glenn Rivers' plays. Like he knows all of them, right? He can call them themselves. He can demand the ball. He's the most valuable player in the entire association. So that one's that one's a little a little triggering for me because you get a sense that we gave the MVP to an immature player to somebody who was whining and begging for it, and then maybe it could have gone to Jokic this year and we gave it to this guy and here this guy is, but. Can't deny how how awesome he's been in this series. Like, who does that? How awesome he's been. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. Yeah, that that, that fourth quarter in overtime was awesome at home. James Harden saved the day. I mean, like, he he was fine. He was fine in Boston. He was fine in Boston. In game five, he was fine in Boston. He's been phenomenal. Alongside of James Harden, who's hit and miss with him hot and cold. He's been good. He's been good. It's hard to deny. I, I want to address the wilting. Sometimes wilting. There, sometimes there are players... And I know Jason Tatum had three through three last night and ended up going off for 16 in that fourth. But you wilt because there's no sun. So let Jason Tatum be that dark cloud in the fourth quarter. He went nuclear. A lot of the times there's not things that you can do. There's not things that you can do when a player at the caliber level that Jason Tatum plays at, that there's just not much to do about no, it. Joel Embiid not getting the ball in the last four minutes of the game. That's on him. It's one of the Sorry. most. It's one of the most insane things that's happened in this playoffs so that I've seen in a long time. Right? With because I mean James Harden, I believe through at that point in the game was six of sixteen. Demand the freaking basketball. Just possess it. Call for it. Take the inbounds if you want. I mean, but then don't so, say anything after the game. This is the same guy who needed a pep talk from PJ freaking Tucker. <laughs> he needed a pep talk from PJ Tucker in game. In, in uh, what was it, game four? Yeah. Game four. He yep. needed to, Because he was playing so badly in the fourth quarter, and Al Horford was eating his big seven-foot lunch over and over and over again. P.J. Tucker needed to get in his ear and say, come on, be aggressive, come on. Be. It's the MVP who needed an aggression pep talk. And then last night in the fourth quarter, 
He ends up three of six from the field, missed his last three, took his final shot with 356 left to go, missed it off the back rim. That was the last shot he took in the game in a one-point game, 84-83 in favor of the Celtics. He missed his last shot to put the Sixers ahead, and then he didn't shoot again after that. Go get the ball, man. Go get the ball. I'd be fed up if I was a Sixers fan with Joel Embiid because it's the same thing. But also before a game seven, before a game seven, the most important game of his career, he has never been to a conference final. Before a game seven, going back to Boston, what is Joel Embiid going to do? He's going to resort back and revert back to his petulant, not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. I didn't touch the ball. I didn't touch the ball. I didn't touch the ball. He's done that his whole career. When the going gets tough, Embiid starts throwing people under the bus. It is his M.O. It is his thing. But don't take it from me, dopey midday radio host in West Palm Beach. Take it from a guy who won a college basketball national championship. A guy who before his career was cut short was an all-star in the making in the NBA. Take it from a man who you hear every day, 6 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN 106.3, our boy Jay Will on Joel Embiid. When things are going right for Philly, it's like a redeem story. You want the process to be complete. And Joel Embiid's nickname is the damn process. It's the process. He is I actually the didn't process. Know that. This man has finally won the MVP. He is the MVP of this league. How the hell does he not get his shot with three minutes and 56 seconds left to go in the game? Did not attempt a shot. Not one, Max. He's the MVP of the league. So a lot of that is on Joel Embiid because he needs to demand the ball and say, give me the ball. I know we're getting open looks, but when P.J. Tucker is getting open looks, there's reasons in this league why certain players get open looks. They're getting looks for a reason. So Doc Rivers, Glenn, needs to set up some plays in order for... Your MVP to get a shot. Listen, Doc, we'll get to Doc too. I mean, the 76ers, let's be clear, they blew their chance. They ain't winning game seven in Boston, okay? Like, that was it. That was their chance. But Joel Embiid, and yes, Doc needs to do a better job, and Doc's record in series clinchers in his career is off the charts terrible. Again, we'll get to that. But Joel Embiid, bro, go out, set a screen, demand the ball. Fight through being fronted in the post. Go get it, man. Go get it. You're the MVP. You've got the trophy. Go be the MVP. Because I can tell you, there are a ton of MVPs in this league who would go get the ball. I don't care. Oh, he's a big. Get out there and get it, man. You might have to get out of here. If you want the ball that bad, if you want the ball that bad, then go get it. Go get it. Who or what has you most fed up right now? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. And you want an MBA in sport management? Go get it at FAU. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program since the year 2000. Started by the late great Dr. Jim Reardon. Setting up your professional life in the sports industry. Pro level, college level, local sports level. Broadcast marketing agents across the board. 
there are uh, those who have gotten an MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic that have hit every single aspect of that industry I just mentioned. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Who or what has you fed up right now? 888-760-3776. He's still in the battle. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. You know what I was thinking about this morning? The the Brooklyn Nets big three. Kyrie Irving, he's been vacationing for weeks now. Didn't even make the playoffs, right? Kevin Durant, his season's over. KD is interesting, too, because what do we, outside of his Golden State tenure, what has he actually tangibly done? He is fascinating, right? He is a fascinating discussion in unbelievable talent, not capable of being depended upon for leadership. I, I think that's probably the best way to describe Kevin Durant's career. All-time great, obvious Hall of Famer, first ballot, all-time elite scorer, NBA champion. But as soon as he's thrust in anything other than, uh, you know, having to go out there and score his ass off, and he needs to be any sort of presence in a locker room, that just ain't it. Yeah, they got humiliated last night. They were down 30 at halftime. Yeah, they were 31. (laughs) Uh the question was proposed this morning on Greeny that I thought was pretty interesting as well. Will he finish his career in Phoenix? No. And and, and that got me thinking. And and the answer from from whether it was Greeny or whether it was Chris Canty, they said yes, and 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 I thought about it. And my answer is yes too. I I think if he goes somewhere else, that taints his legacy. His, his legacy is already interesting to a lot. Like you said, fascinating. I don't. You know, I don't typically look at the rings and what a guy's accomplished and whatnot. Regardless, he's one of the best players in the league. He'll go down as one of the greatest of all time. So I haven't necessarily decided where I stand on KD, but last night it was tough to watch. I I did not turn the game off because I just wanted to see people's body language. I wanted to see the camera pan to that Suns bench. Chris Paul, let them. I want to hear the things they say about Chris Paul, KD, Devin Booker, but what Jokic was doing to them, pulling their pants down. Pulling their pants down. They got just absolutely destroyed. KD is just such a... But he handles the post-game pressers so, so well. He gave Jokic yeah. all his flowers for yeah. a guy that's averaged in the series 37, 12, and 10. I mean, well, he better after being down 30 at halftime in an elimination game. Yeah. So I, just, so I haven't decided on how I feel about KD. I feel bad for the guy, but, I mean, nonetheless, he's one of the greatest hoopers we've ever seen. But, but again, you had Kyrie, KD, who, uh, again, those two started the year with Brooklyn. And now Kyrie didn't even make the postseason. KD is out of the playoffs unceremoniously. And then you've got James Harden, who is either Houston Harden or a non-factor. Like last night, James Harden, after being the hero going to Boston, nothing. I mean, nothing. They got nothing from him. I, I don't know how anybody thought that was going to work. In retrospect, it's one of the all-time worst combinations of three players for a big three that 
will have ever happened. And I suppose going into it, you could say, oh, this is good, this is good. But there was such doubt going in because they were, none of them screamed, hey, good locker presence, good locker room presence, good guy who's going to take the reins and say, I'm, I'm going to control this ship. None of those guys are capable of doing it. They're just not. And not at that point in their careers. Like James Harden, it's amazing. Philadelphia, James Harden went to the most stable situation. And then KD forced his way out, went to Phoenix, and then that hindenburg I mean, that was just, that flamed down to earth last night. And then Kyrie Irving and whatever's happening with Dallas, that's just a complete train wreck. Yeah, now their odds are being posted all over the place, right? Chris Paul's, the shortest odds for the place that he is to land is the Lakers at 3-1. to one, Yeah, Chris which, Paul's not going to be back in Phoenix. Which I find super fascinating. Yeah, he's 38 years old. Yeah. Like, what do we do with this guy? What do we do with Kyrie? What do we that's do with these guys? You did mention, though, you know, that Joel Embiid, the league's MVP, needs a pep talk from a guy like P.J. Tucker. Yeah, I don't find that surprising. That's what P.J. Tucker does. Like, no, these but teams not have to, these guys. Not to the MVP. Not to the MVP Why? of the league. Not Who? to the guy. If Joel Embiid was in his second or third year in the league, I'd say, yeah, you're right. Be in there for a young guy. Joel Embiid ain't the young guy. Joel Embiid should be the one delivering the in-game fourth quarter pep talk to Maxi who's struggling, not the other way around. Joel Embiid should not need someone to send him a... There's one thing to get a pep talk. It's another thing to get a pep talk in the fourth quarter of a massive playoff game where you have to be told to be aggressive, where you have to be told to be aggressive and not hesitant. Like, that, that is where it's not acceptable. Yeah, but in the heat of battle... No. In the heat of battle, when emotions are getting to you and one of your teammates who knows you, who spends every waking moment alongside you... You just need a little uppity up from your boy. That's typically how it goes. These guys are. And how did that go for them? It, it didn't. But they they are uh, pushed to a game seven against the team who's been the back to back Eastern Conference Finals, who who competed in the finals last year against one of the NBA's greatest dynasties. Like they're fighting tooth nail clawing these guys. Yeah, but then it's such a bad look after the fact. So so his teammates have his back. Who was who was one of the guys that kept missing open looks last night? PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. right? When they really needed him. So what was the thanks Joel Embiid gave to P.J. Tucker for trying to lift him up? Joel Embiid doing that thing that Joel Embiid does and throwing him under the bus, right? How fair does that seem? It's not. That's your leader. That's your MVP. That's your face of the franchise for (laughs) a fifth consecutive year. Throwing somebody under the bus because Joel Embiid, when things don't go well, he gets petulant. What are you fed up with right now the most? Me, Scott Foster, NBA, putting him on the floor with the heat in a closeout opportunity tonight. Because it gives off the impression that the NBA wants Game 7 at Madison Square Garden. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. On Twitter, at KLV1063. He's Stone the Banowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 1063.